Hey, welcome back to the part two of Negative Consequences of Believing in Superstition by the Cybernetic Atheist, part two of a three-part series. Last week, we talked about the patriarchy. This week, we're going to talk about sex, everybody's favorite subject. The subject of sex in the U.S. is so screwed up, though, and it's mainly because of religion. The system of patriarchy discussed in part one forces men and women into gender-based roles. While the social aspects of patriarchy are bad enough, like we talked about last week, the effects on sex and human sexuality are even worse. As noted above, males are forced into a false and totally artificial image of manhood that is as false and artificial as the image of womanhood that females are forced into. This produces mental and psychological stress and often damage it hurts the individuals, their families, and their friends, often their employers as well. Why? Why is it damaging? Well, several reasons. Stick with me, I'll get to LGBTQ issues in a bit. I think the most obvious isn't personal confidence. Body image and how a person portrays him or herself sexually is extremely important in this country, heck, for that matter, in much of the world. It affects our social standing, our family, and how it's viewed by the largest, larger society, and eventually how and whether we are accepted as marriage potential. Accordingly, we're obsessed by sex. We're obsessed with youth and the sexual aspects of it. The secular commercial realm tells us that sex is good and it's natural and wholesome and, well, whoopee. But in American society, sexual beauty and attractiveness is so skewed from the norm that millions of Americans, both men and women, suffer from severe lack of self-confidence because they perceive themselves as unattractive. Through failing to live up to an artificial and false vision of beauty, no, this isn't because of religion, it's because of rampant and un unregulated capitalism. Religion, or the so-called Judeo-Christian or Abrahamic religions, especially in this country as mentioned above, enforce a patriarchy. A large part of that system is the second-class status of women, and therefore control over their public behavior. Christianity especially enforces a view of sex that restricts sex to the role of procreation within a family context. This originally comes from the role of the family or the clan as the center of Roman life, considering that Christianity began during the height of the Roman Empire. The individual wasn't important. The family or the family group was. Loyalty to that group was paramount, and for women that meant only having sex with their husband to preserve the purity of the bloodline. Hence the religious obsession with sex as procreation, looking down on both abortion and contraception. One, because it's an illegal rejection of the man's seed, and the other is a rejection of a man's control over his woman. So religion forces us into this weird, twisted image of sex, the patriarchal picture of gender roles mixed with the God-smacked rejection of women as full humans, subservient to men and under their full control. This results in our social culture allowing this culture of rape. Men are supposed to be virile, strong, manly, which is supposed to drive women into raptures of sexual frenzy. Women are supposed to belong to men, which means they owe us sex, and they owe us their love and devotion. Women who reject this and refuse to go along are subjected to campaigns of hate and vitriol, threats of rape, violence, 
sometimes the real thing. If a guy doesn't fit that manly virile picture, he is a failure and is ridiculed as such. So, for women, you have to fit this image of womanhood that reflects the stay-at-home mother, homemaker, sexy wife, and willing brood gal. Well, the larger social milieu tells you that you've got to be beautiful, sexy, and available to any guy that pinches your ass. If you don't, you're a prude and you'll never find a husband, especially if you're ugly. In the meantime, religion tells you that if you do, you're a slut, a sinner, and you'll go to hell. Guys largely get a pass on the religion thing because, you know, patriarchy. Unless, of course, they aren't manly, so they're failures. Or if they allow their wives to henpeck them, they aren't following the Bible, so they'll go to hell then, too. Double failures, if you will. Especially if they are rejected by the ladies. Since this isn't anticipated by the traditional patriarchal framework, guys that see themselves as manly and virile who get rejected by the ladies anyway can't comprehend that rejection. They get mad and blame their failure on the ladies who, of course, owe them sex. Severe mental pain and emotional confusion are common resulting from this condition and has been known to generate violent reactions. In recent years, we've come to see some of those violent reactions turn into mass shootings. There's an entire movement that talks about this. And these people are known as basically unwilling celibates. Um, that's not really all that great, I'll admit, but it certainly doesn't give you the right to start shooting people. But the severe mental pain and emotional confusion that results is not something one can blame them for feeling. But the reactions to that certainly can be. So is it any wonder that Americans are so screwed up about sex? The true wonder is how any of us manage to grow up with normal pictures of reasonable and responsible relationships in time to have families. But wait, I'm not finished. Not everybody is a cisgendered heterosexual human being. Some folks are homosexual, some folks are transgendered, and some are bisexual. There are other categories, but I don't feel particularly qualified to talk about those. Heck, I'm barely qualified to talk about the non-cisgendered as it is. But these traditional roles I spoke of, as screwed up as they are, aren't the whole picture, especially since they ignore our LGBTQ friends. That alone is responsible for untold misery, family fights, and estrangements. Since these folks don't fit the normal categories, they have traditionally been either ignored are forced into playing roles they're not comfortable with, and often beaten or killed for refusing. All of them are condemned by religion and totally ignored by the patriarchal system, unless they rock the boat. The 21st century's success in this country in advancing marriage equality for homosexual couples is a remarkable story of the LGBTQ movement's ability to go mainstream, but it's still being fought tooth and nail by the religious right. Demographics tells us the religious will lose this fight. But wait, that's not all, folks. Let's examine some other issues like clergy abuse of both children and adults sexually. Everybody knows by now the Roman Catholic child abuse scandal. The Roman Catholic Church 
has spent millions of dollars in the U.S. alone just to make this go away. Not much to actually stop the abuse, but surely to make it go away anyway. One wonders as one examines the issue and how the RCC hierarchy responded to the scandal at first. How prevalent is the abuse of kids by Catholic clergy, and how long has it been going on? There are some clues. First, in Ireland, we've all heard of the laundry scandal where unwed mothers and their children were warehoused by the church with complicit authority from the Irish government of the day in homes and were made literal slaves in big laundries. Scorned by the church for their sexual sins, their children were as badly treated as they were. This broke even bigger a couple of years ago in the news, and again recently, when the news broke over here in the States, of the discovery of almost 800 graves in a hidden graveyard, with an unknown number of bodies even hidden in an old, unused septic tank. Graves going back over 100 years. Graves of unwanted children, infants, as well as older kids mistreated and abused. Also in Ireland, the scandal of a few years ago, stories of child abuse and murder in Irish Catholic monasteries, possibly going back hundreds of years. Horrific stories of terrible abuse, both corporate, corporal, and sexual, often combined. In Europe, a number of decades ago, there were archaeological discoveries of monasteries and cloisters built fairly close by one another, with hidden tunnels linking the two. The most horrific part of the discovery were chambers off that tunnel containing the graves of infants and fetuses, most of whom were probably buried hours after or just before birth. All of this is evidence of a terrible epidemic of sexual malfunction in a religious hierarchy. Over a thousand years old, denied sexual release and access due to official greed, excused and justified by religious scripture. For those who don't know, the RCC finally outlawed marriage, requiring their priests to be celibate, not for religious reasons, but to end the bleeding of church property through inheritance to families of clergy especially to noble families with large estates. With no marriage allowed, thus no heirs, their property was inherited by the church. Don't think that only the RCC is involved. Preachers of almost every Protestant denomination regularly are abused, uh, arrested, and either fired or also charged for either child abuse or sexually predatory abuse of adults. It's all over the place. Not to be outdone, Islam isn't far behind, as you may have noticed in the recent re-emergence of the quote of Iran's Ayatollah, Ayatollah Khomeini. Quote, he says, A man can have sexual pleasure from a child as young as a baby. However, he should not penetrate vaginally, but sodomizing the child is acceptable. If a man does penetrate and damage the child then, he should be responsible for her subsistence all her life. This girl will not count as one of his four permanent wives, and the man will not be eligible to marry the girl's sister. It is better for a girl to marry at such a time when she would begin menstruation at her husband's house rather than her father's home. Any father marrying his daughter so young will have a permanent place in heaven. Not only is this considered child abuse, but Islam has doubled down on it and authorized it because Muhammad did it. Well, at least the Muslims are honest. They'll tell you God wants this to happen. <sighs> Talking about child abuse, let's talk about masturbation. 
something Christianity in most of its forms doesn't really like to do. In many denominations, in fact, it is banned and called out for being sinful and of the devil. But now, scientifically, we know that it is not only a natural urge, even infants play with themselves, but it is known to be actually good for you. It releases hormones and endorphins that make you healthier and live longer. Heck, we know both from scientific study and from statistics that people who have a long-term sexual relationship that is happy for both parties not only stay together longer, but also live longer, regardless of whether they have kids or not. So in summary, religion in this country, and pretty much throughout the world, twists sex and sexuality in humans to the point that millions of people are, at best, dysfunctional, and at worst, mentally ill and twisted towards pedophilia and sexual predatory practices, even the clergy. It taints our marriages, our dating practices, and inculcates a culture of rape that regularly threatens the lives and well-being of over half of all women in the United States and probably causes a significant percentage of our divorces. It directly harms our LGBTQ friends through violence and intimidation, forcing them into hidden lives and damaging stress by denying them a happy and healthy lifestyle. And because sex keeps us healthy and can help us live longer, by discouraging sex in most forms and twisting our sexual practices so badly, religion is also killing us. Are you mad yet? Come back next week for part three.